Poetry night. Oh, it must be so hard for you, all that success. Oh. Here's, here's what I know about Dennis. Again, the last of my recommendations, two months of recommendations where I did not vet any of these poets and every single one has been wonderful. What, what, what's wrong, Tiffany? Never, never mind. I know you do. Dennis was recommended to me, recommended to me by Mark Luther Anderson. Here's what I know. He was born in Wisconsin, lives in Spokane, got his MFA from the University of Montana, has taught like col- taught college level uh, English for ten years, and was like f this meetings. <laughs> still teaches workshops. Still teaches the occasional college level class. I learned all of this from his bio, and I never read from bios. But something that I really enjoy, being myself a transplant from the East Coast, is smarminess. And there was just a touch of smarminess in the bio, and I want to read it to you. It's just, it's just right here. Um, he received his MFA from the University of Montana and his BA from the Evergreen State College. His poems have appeared three times in Poetry Magazine and his essays in Poets and Writers and many other journals. He has published more than 100 magazine articles and book reviews and knows how to write more than instead of over. Do you not think that... Oh, F you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dennis Held to the stage. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Let's all stand up a second. Let's all stand up a second. Let's do that thing you do when you've been sitting on your ass for too long. Don't do that while I put this thing up here. Don't put nothing on the piano, even on poetry. Oh, that's right. One of my favorite episodes of Get Smart involved him eating a bunch of crackers. And then Don Adams, remember Don Adams? He was pretending to be a pirate. He went to a pirate bar. And he was supposed to signal when the bad guy came in by whistling. You recall it? Bruce and I remember exactly all the same things. So he just filled his mouth with crackers as the guy comes in. And Don Adams whistling those crackers 30 or 40 feet into the air reminds me why I'm not about to enjoy this tasty shortbread treat right now. But we'll eat it. Thank you all very much for coming. This thing is, look at you, there's three people from Spokane with a short A. So very nice of you all to come. This is a nice room. You can hear me just fine, right? If I get up here, then I can sound like God, but God doesn't write poetry anymore. Not since, and in fact, I changed my mind. You guys are so much fun. I was going to read the really serious show you how good a poet I am, Holmes, but you'll have to take my word for it, all right? I want to read some funny shit tonight. Is that all right? We're getting steered toward there. This was my first book called Betting on the Night. That's a beautiful naked lady on the cover painted by a friend of mine. Um, This is a poem called Ode to My Scrotum. Okay. This poem was reprinted in the Pacific Northwestern Spiritual Poetry Anthology. You can define spiritual widely, apparently. Ode to my scrotum. 
old man. This was written after reading 30 or 40 wonderful poems written by women about parts of their bodies. And I thought, well, you know, Lucille Clifton can have a poem for her knees by God. I can write. And I was reading those great odes by Pablo Neruda at the time, that ode to a tomato. Ode to my scrotum. Old man of the pubis, apple-faced and glum as Jehovah. Plumbob of my trunk, the snout of my groin, altar of the first scratch of morning, adorable cajone holder extraordinaire, stone boat, snood-like sackful of my worst and best moments, I must apologize for twice, I have defiled you with painstaking razor and soap, once at a casual request for lunch, for at once at a casual request for lust, and once for the doctor a vast indifference. Snick, snick, and thank you for the groan. Snick, snick, a quartet of bristling black stitches, and oh, how you did dilate. Wrinkles swelled to an eight ball, smooth in size. You were made to swell, oh, fellow, oh, host of the nubbly, Nubbins that chafe, O oh, totem, O oh, glorious shifting seed bag, unself conscious sachem of the gonads, treasure trove most tender and vulnerable storehouse where hurt I stay injured, a bruise like a heart wound, an evening sky, deep, deep blue that by morning turns to yellow. There you go. So, I'd like to take a second to, uh, A, let you know there's going to be a great writer in Bellingham on Wednesday reading at Village Books, Jim Heinen. If you guys don't know, Jim Heinen is one of the most underread writers in America. Amazing writer. Lived out here, uh, uh, in fact, helped found Centrum probably in the 70s. I mean, he goes way back. Great writer, going to be at Village Books on Wednesday. He's got a new novel. Um, I, I'd like to read also a, a poem by another writer uh, other than myself when I read uh, somebody you might not know and should. Do you guys know Dorian Lux's work, L-A-U-X? She taught in Salem at the University of Oregon for many years. She's got a great new book out, The Book of Men. And so, okay, we'll follow... Uh, Maybe this seems like a, a natural segue. Mick Jagger, World Tour 2008 by Dorian Lux. This book I just picked up at uh, Village Books, so you could buy one there too. Mick Jagger, World Tour 2008. He stands on stage after spotlit stage, yowling with that rubber mouth, if you turn off the sound, he's a ruminating bovine, a baby's face tasting his first sour orange or spitting spooned oatmeal out. Rouged cheeks and beef jerky jowls, shrubby hair waxed, roughed up, his arms slung domeward, twisted branches of a tough tree, knees stomping high as his sunken chest, oddities 
aside, he's a kind of hybrid of stamina and slouch. Tummy pooch pouches under his famous invasive rolling eyes. He flutters like the pages of a dirty book, doing the sombrero dance, rocking the microphone's round black foot, one hand gripping the skinny metal rod, the other pumping its victory fist like he's flushing a chain toilet. Old as the moon, sleek as a puma, circling the herd, the vein in his forehead pops, his hands drop into fists, he bows like a beggar, then rises like the monarch, Sir Mick, our bony ruler, jagged, jagger, slumping off stage, shining with sweat, oh please, don't die, not now, not ever. Not yet. Yeah, go buy that book. And if you want to have your heart broken, and who doesn't in October especially, go get her book Smoke, which is a beautiful, beautiful, open-hearted book. Um, I'll read a couple poems out of this book, now known as Merch. Merch. The only thing it rhymes with is Smirch. Uh, I brought, uh, not the only thing it rhymes with, but what occurs to me now. Uh, I'm going to read a few of these that are so new that I've taken to not typing them up and just rewriting and rewriting and rewriting on yellow notepads because they seem less firmed up that way. And I'm liking that, just so you know. This is a poem called I'm So Beat. Um... You know, you're right. You shouldn't say much about that. Uh, uh, Mark Anderson calls that uh, Mikesturbation, by the way, where you kind of stand there and go, you know, I, I'm sorry, I haven't really read really a lot, and this isn't a great poem or anything, and I'm just so hard. Fuck you. Read the poem. Shut up. Get up there. <laughs> All right. This poem's called I'm So Beat. Okay? All right. With apologies to nobody. I'm so beat, my beat outbeats your beat by beat by my beat. I mean, my cool outcools your cool. My angry young mannerisms, my juvenile alienation out alienates your standard deviation. I'm alienated from the whole beat nation. I'm alienated from the whole beat notion. I'm iconoclastic and bombastic and xenophobic and won't wear no damn beret. I'm beater than beat. My beat's so complete I hate even myself. I sing the beat body decaying. I smoke whatever's burning and never exercise. Sleep until supper time, sucking wind and ennui in like grass. Man, I'm the gone daddy's daddy, oh, but nobody's got a granddad gone giddily mad, gyrating zen like indifference to any zen. All its enlightened inhibitions, my sitting is prettier than your sitting, sister. My mindlessness out empties yours. I make the sound of one man drinking without first thoughts, without good or bad thoughts. I bash Basho that bamboo rummy eye down more plum brandy than a blacked out binging Bukowski wannabe my big meaty bad boy beat stomps your beat with my big flat feet I hate the upper crust I hate all cops I crap on standard syntax uppercase punctuation I snap my fingers and the world disappears I snap the world and I disappear and that's how beat I am or was 
depending on when you dig or dug this. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I want to read one of these. Uh, no, I don't. It's in my pocket. I know where it is. I want to read some awful poems so that I can get back to the funny ones later and you'll notice the contrast. Maybe you'll notice your life. These sorts of things happen in this pattern, right? Uh, this is a poem called Northbound on 395. I was on my way to teach a, a high school class in, uh, in Welpinit on the Indian Reservation. Northbound on 395. Two cars ahead on the highway, a deer stepped out into the fog and into the grill of a small red car, a new one, and we all came to a stop. Young woman, dear, me. If what happened next was supposed to be some sort of blessing or benediction, I say no thanks, send me straight to hell. The deer, a yearling the size of a toddler, in a hard winter, pawed the snow and blew sprays of blood from its nostrils, going, but not yet gone. I broke the plastic fender off and asked her to pop the trunk, where I found the bent tire iron that would, momentarily, loose us both from that wild, appraising eye. There you go. That ought to make you happy. Um, sometimes it is, I've been told, the job of the poet to notice things and report on them that we would otherwise wish to look away from. Um, this was up in Alaska. It's called Sonnet for a Baby Seal. Everything you shouldn't do in a title. Sonnet for a Baby Seal. Not the one you see on television its head tilted up to look like a whiskered infant with those pleading liquid eyes. This one was real, on black Alaskan sand, ridiculous with an eagle beating its wings against a seal's head, both screaming, the pup too young to get away, too old to die all at once. The eagle with its talons buried pecked at one eye only to get away in. Of course I beat the eagle off with a piece of driftwood. Yes, I tried to kill the baby seal. No one could say I didn't try hard enough. But when I turned to leave, it swam away, blinded, silent, and bearing news from hell. There, that's an October thing. Thank you. These are sonnets, or sonnet-like poems. Um, I, I tend toward overstatement, perhaps you've noticed. Uh, it's nice having a little 14-line box, and I've noticed certain experiences now that I look for that'll kind of fit into there. And uh, you can help get through the day. And they're, all, they're not all involving killing or being killed. In fact, some of them are about not killing. I've noticed myself, as I get older, not killing things like ants and, say, the wasp. Why does he have to wind up on my dashboard, barely strong enough to hover, much less pose any kind of threat, this black striped stinger pulsing like a lover? And why am I so sure it's a he, 
this impotent little death dealer. And my beat-down car were stuck together now, a dying insect, feeble, humped against the glass, starved for one sip of the holy grapes that droop just beyond the veil, a succulent cluster gone overripe and unpicked, wasted fruits, lost opportunities, and sure, a stray disaster just a windshield away. But stiffly, the window, driver's side, still rolls down, and stumbling, off we go. That's the wasp. Thanks. Uh, I do want to read a couple of these newer ones. Uh, no offense to anybody in the audience. Five reasons not to write a list poem. Thank you. I'll just read number two. Numerical reductions of human experience inevitably result in the loss of critical emotive content. A prayer for Jimmy Stewart and me. We were talking about Jimmy Stewart. You know, Jimmy Stewart was a real genuine war hero. Jimmy Stewart kept his, uh, kept his flight status alive until 1967, too. He flew a mission in, during Vietnam in the back seat. He didn't fly the plane. But a prayer for Jimmy Stewart and me. Damn your stammering. Damn your back-ass truck stop honesty, your simpering westerns, your buck-up romance. Chuck it all for once and backhand that punk. He's got it coming. Go get yourself a lap dance. What kind of war hero settles for Jimmy anyways? That's studio claptrap. And why let the girl get away every time? What were you selling to me, your biggest fan? I loved your snarl in The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. I especially loved that you turned out not to be that man. But to stand there and take it over and over, even when you'd done nothing wrong, who the hell would do that? I would. I did. Let me say, Jimmy, I love you. And if I stutter... Try to love me too. I love that too. Just a couple more and then we'll go do something else. This is kind of a mean one. I don't feel mean. Walking, uh, this is a kind of a mean one too, but it's funny and it's absolutely true. Uh, I got a friend over in Wenatchee named Derek Sheffield. He has a book of poems coming out uh, this this winter. Two of his friends from Seattle came to Wenatchee, and we all went for a walk. Is that Mike Sturbation? Tough shit. It's my mic. Walking along a nature trail in Wenatchee, the poets begin to speak of unimportant matters. The river, for one, is dismissed entirely as no longer relevant to the current consciousness. You see, I'm not really into nature, the poet from deepest, darkest Seattle says archly. No, says nature, licking its chops, but I'm way into you.
Boy, there's a lot of mean ones here. Here's one called, I don't, you know, sure I let the wasp go, but then I go slap somebody off with a mean poem. <laughs> this is a poem called Dick Cheney's First Heart. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, Dick Cheney got a second heart, right? You know, like when they opened his chest up, all the doctors died. Just right there. Everybody died. They had to go get another crew and bring him in. Did you know? No, they don't tell you that stuff. <laughs> this is a poem called Nine for my favorite number. All powerful three by three, solid rock that underlies the firmament. Everyone says they love the indivisible seven, but nobody takes him home. Nine is a number in name alone, more solid than liquidy sixteen could ever be, physical, sexy, giving out with a grunt and a groan. Nine even can hide among foreign words, disguised as a no in Germany, numberless then, and in languages grip of emotion, surprised like that angel who falls to earth and finds a pain that feels oddly worth having in the end. There you go. I was surprised by that one, too. All right, last one. I've been trying to make sense of some deconstruction. And I've discovered that sometimes less is actually less. This is called Derrida in the Garden. You know Jacques Derrida, that guy. Stumped by the carrots rank and literal orange the frilly green top that billows like silk blouses. He stares at the hole, stares at the challenge it makes. Fill me. A substance like milk drips from a now-broken weed, a monarch butterfly feeding at the sap. Wake up. This is not an idea of a garden, he sees, this fleeting dream. Nothing exists until he meets it, he decides, and feels instant relief. But still the whole calls him back, the empty space that must define fullness. No, it's only the whole which the carrot created by pushing aside the soil. Damn, he thinks I'm hungry. Where can I get some snails? All right. Uh, last poem, actually, I want to do one out of this first book. Uh, this is a poem about a bad idea. Um, the first part of the bad idea involves drinking country time powdered lemonade with straight vodka. You know, 19 years old, summer day. The second bad idea is trying to set the world's land speed record for plastic saucer. You know what hooky bobbing is? You get pulled behind a car in snow. 
it works better in snow than on a gravel road. <coughs> this is called In Phrase of Abandon. Pelted with 40 mile an hour gravel that the glaciers hauled here for my punishment, I skid down a dirt road in Wild Rose, Wisconsin with 10 feet of bad rope between me and the bumper of Jerome Picorni's Pontiac oven mitts for safety gloves, a paper bag helmet with a painted racing stripe pulled down tight, the world a funnel fenced by pines, a telescoping blur of dirt and chrome when the blistering sled begins to melt against my butt, pants eroded to underwear, gone to cheesecloth when Jerome decides to slow for the final turn and I decide to tuck a shoulder and go for the roll, the blind headlong tumble towards some indefinite mix of physics and luck, whatever's waiting for me in the dust. Boom. That's it. Thank you. Uh, how about a hand for everybody who read earlier this evening? Thank you very much. Thank you to Robert, especially to the people who came down also. Very nice. Thanks to Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart for lending his name. Do take a moment, check these paintings out. Earlier today, I was over. There's a great gallery here, this craft gallery. What's the name of that gallery, Angela? Artisans. So check that stuff out. Buy a painting. You know, try to see Jim Heinen at Village Books on Wednesday night if you can. Thank you very much. Dennis Held, ladies and gentlemen. Give him a hand. Who would like to be the sweet young thing? Who would like to be the sweet young thing? Who would like to be the sweet young thing? Who would like to be the sweet young thing? Who would like to be the sweet young thing? I like I like that I like the word church has a vibe. This is a thing that exists in the world. Just, that's just how we call you to prepare here at the Word Church.